So glad you guys are with us this morning. As we begin this new teaching series, Jesus, the next 40. Last week we heard again and celebrated that Jesus rose from the dead, defeating sin, death, and the devil, and waiting for all who believe everlasting life. It's good stuff. And that's why we talk about it every week. But what sometimes we often don't hear about in the church is what really happened those next 40 days after he rose. Now, Jesus did a lot of important things during this time that has been recorded. And what he did was essential for the continued movement of his name, of his truth, of his resurrection. So to start, we're going to go to that reading from Acts, where Luke wrote in the very first few verses of his book, beginning with chapter 1. He said something about this. He says this, Acts 1, beginning verse 1. Luke writes, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands to the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Verse 3 is important. It shares with us why Jesus appeared from time to time to his disciples over these next 40 days after he rose from the dead. And why did he do it? For proof. To prove to them that he was actually alive. Now, before we jump in on this road over the next 40 days, specifically over this, this road to Emmaus, I think we need to stop and pray. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you once again that you have given us your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross to defeat sin, the devil, and death, and would for all who believe everlasting life in heaven with you. We praise you for raising him from the dead and then giving him 40 days here after that resurrection to teach, to equip, to love, and to meet with his disciples. We pray, Lord, now as over the coming weeks we explore these sections of Scripture, as you send the Holy Spirit onto this place and into our hearts, that we may understand, that we may come to know the truth, even more so, of who you are, and that we can continue to believe, even though we do not see you face to face. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you want to follow along, the rest of our time is going to be in Luke 24. Luke 24, we'll get to verse 13 eventually. Now, 
Many of you may know this story of the, the, the road to Emmaus. But I want to think about this a little bit. Which way were the disciples heading? They were heading away. So this is interesting, right? First they ran away when Jesus was arrested. Second, they were nowhere near him when he was crucified. And now that the tomb was empty, with nobody inside, they're still walking away. What are they walking away from? They're, they're walking away from what they've been taught. They've been, they're walking away from what they have been told was going to happen. So these two disciples on the road were heading out of town. They're heading back towards Emmaus, some seven miles down the road. And they were heading back crushed and broken. They were heading back disappointed and sad. They were walking back filled with these emotions and rehashing everything that had occurred those last few days. And while they're doing this, another fellow shows up and he asks, what are you two talking about? And this question stops them dead in their tracks. They look at one another and then they look at this man who asked this question and Cleopas says there in Luke 24, 18, are you the only one? Are, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? The man's response, what things? But this just isn't, it's just, this just isn't any man, is it right? Haley told that to our kids. This isn't just any man. This is, is Jesus. They don't know that, but, but we do. You see, Jesus said to these two disciples who were distraught, he said, what things? That's an interesting response. And the way that I understand it, the way that I read it as I was preparing, the way the Lord put it on my heart, this is a kind response. Jesus could have said, I actually know all this. But he didn't. His response was, what things? What things are you concerned about? So his question here is not one seeking answers. His question here is one seeking a relationship. He wants to know. He wants to genuinely know what has you two so concerned? So Cleopas and the other disciple, they, they let it all out. Now, I invite you to look there at Luke 19, excuse me, Luke 24, beginning with verse 19. And I'm going to read through this again, but I want us to imagine this time, I know this is different for some people, um, but imagine the responses coming rapid fire from both of these disciples as they answer this question from this man of what things. What things? 
What things? The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and our religious leaders, they handed him over to be condemned. Condemned to death. Oh, no. 
all the gamma. Just tuck it nice away so they can see that you don't really need help. We have to be honest. We have to agree with this statement that we all have our own Emmaus. That we turn to, that we want to head to when things have not turned out like we had hoped. But here's the thing. Here's the thing with this journey to Emmaus. Jesus, right? Jesus, who is invested in forming a relationship with these disciples. Jesus, who is listening to them pour out their hearts. He continues to walk with them. He says there in verse 25. Get there. Luke 24, verse 25. In yours it might say, oh foolish ones. Or something along those lines. I like it. Like, you silly kids. You, you silly kids, have you forgotten what the scriptures have said? Have, have you forgot what the prophets wrote? That the Messiah would have to suffer all these things? He would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory. Did you forget this, you silly kids? You see, I don't see this as a rebuke here. Jesus is not rebuking them. He's meeting them in the midst of their grief, their disbelief, their confusion. And then he loves them. He teaches them again. He teaches them again, beginning with the promised offspring in Genesis. Going through the suffering servant in Isaiah. The pierced one in Zechariah and the messenger of the covenant in Malachi. <laughs> Jesus reintroduced those disciples to the teachings of the Old Testament. Was it not necessary for all this to happen? So Jesus tells them all this. He teaches them and he challenges them to not only remember, but to believe what the scriptures say. And every word that Jesus has shared with them now has brought them one step closer to where? To Emmaus. To the end of the trip. Away from Jerusalem. So they make it back. And Jesus acts like he's just going to keep on walking. But those disciples would have none of it, right? They'd have none of it. So they said, stay with us. It's almost nighttime. You're probably hungry. You're, you're probably tired. So just come on in. And, and why would they do this? But because of the kindness and care that this man who has walked with them and helped them in remembering what the prophets had said, for him. They wanted to thank him. Hospitality flows here. You see, they didn't clean the house first. 
I just wanted to show thanks and offer a place to rest for the night and grab a bite to eat. And so this man takes him up on the offer. He joins them for the meal. And he blesses the bread. And he gives them the bread. And as he gives them the bread, their eyes are opened. He opens their understanding. So they can see. So they can understand what the scriptures have been saying. And now that after all that he had taught them, all that he has challenged them to remember, he, God, he, Jesus, opens their eyes. And then what? Boom, he's gone. They recognize him as Jesus, and he vanishes. Why? You see, he vanishes because they realize that this man is truly, actually Jesus. And that means that Jesus is alive. And because they now realize that Jesus is alive, because they remember and understand the scriptures, his visible presence is no longer needed. God opened their eyes. And they remember the trip from Jerusalem. Look at Luke 24, 32. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while, we talk, while he talked to us on the road? While he opened to us the scriptures? They're basically saying, were not our hearts filled with wonder and joy? Were we not understanding the true meaning of scriptures?
Friends, where are you headed right now? Back to Emmaus? I mean, if life is not unfolding the way you had hoped or expected, before you run off to Emmaus, hear what Jesus said in John 16, verse 33. He said this, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, I don't want you to just hear the words, right? We don't want to just hear the words. We want to understand them. We want them to take root in our hearts and in our minds. So as we read through Scripture, as we read through this, we pray to God. We pray for God to give us understanding. To open our eyes to Him. The who He is. You see, that's what the Scriptures do, friends. God uses the Scriptures to correct our misunderstandings. You see, you and I, we've got trouble. Right? We've got trouble brewing in this world. We will face hurt. We will face death. We will face despair most days of our lives. And from time to time, we will turn and head back on our road to our mates. But Jesus... Jesus opens our hearts and minds. Jesus meets us where we're at, and he gives us this everlasting hope as we return to him. You see, for our hope is in Christ. And our hope in Christ is not that everything will be okay. I'm sorry if you've been to a church that people have told you that everything will be okay because you follow Jesus. You've been lied to. It's not what the scriptures say. Jesus just said it in John 16, 33. You see, our hope is in Christ. And our hope in Christ is not that everything will be okay, not that everything will work out in this life as we expect. No, our, our hope is that even when things don't work out as we have expected, we are still loved, and God is still at work for us and for our good. Right now, Jesus is alive. Right now, Jesus is alive and walking with you today. I don't know where you're going, or what you're going through, or which way you're heading. But I do know this, Jesus walks right with you. And he wants to know what things. He wants to know what things have gotten you going this way. He wants that relationship with you. Because he loves you. 
If you are on the road to your Emmaus, consider stopping for a bit to talk with Jesus about it. Share with him what you're so concerned about. <laughs> know that as you speak to him, you can trust and you can believe that he is listening and caring and loving you. And if you're on the other end and you're running back to Jerusalem, if you're, you're running back after having your eyes open and your hearts touched by Jesus and his word, Consider sharing with others what you know, what you believe, even without seeing. Because Jesus is risen. Jesus is risen. Amen. And amen. And may the peace that passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds focused on our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus.